Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the AdPod. Today is a slight departure away from usual advertising topics because we're going to be talking about mental health. It's a super important topic that I've wanted to do for a while and I'm so pleased that Fiona McKinnon from The Moment Company has agreed to come on and talk about mental health. We go through um, some of her journey in advertising to what she does now, some real practical tips and advice throughout, as well as talking about kind of the upcoming silly season in advertising. So all that leaves me to say is, I hope you enjoy episode 11 of The AdPod. Hey Fiona, welcome to The AdPod. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks for having me, Wayne. No, thank you for coming on, um, because I think this will be a really interesting discussion. Um, and for those listening who might not know you, would you mind giving like just a quick intro into your career and, and what you do now? Sure. So I'm Fiona McKinnon. Uh, I was in the ad media digital world for nearly 20 years and I started my career completely by accident um, with a, a startup called Adviva. And uh, I, I came down to um, get into the world of ad sales around uh, domain sharing and domain registration and met a couple of guys who were spending millions on that every year, but had no results for their advertising. So they had this idea to create a network and they said, do you fancy joining us? And I had no idea what an IO was, what the internet was, but thought, sounds like fun, let's give it a go. And so that's how my career kind of started. So I moved from Glasgow down to London, spent seven years building Adviva into one of the biggest ad networks in Europe. Uh, I then did a year agency side because I thought that was fun. It wasn't. Um, and then uh, moved to Australia uh, to help set up Adconian in Melbourne, uh, where I had a global role there managing all the media side of the industry, which from Melbourne became challenging uh, when my boss was German and most of my publishers were based in the US. So I then flipped over um, the Pacific and ended in Los Angeles for a couple of years, helping run SmartClip um, and got into the video side of ad tech at that point and uh, ran the global team from LA. Uh, then I moved to Toronto, so I'm fast running out of English speaking countries to move to. <laughs> and I helped set up the Exchange Lab, um, which is a, a programmatic platform uh, that's now part of WPP. So I helped them set up their North American operations a couple of years in Toronto. Uh, and then my visas and, and good luck finally ran out and I, I found myself back in, in London. Um, so that's kind of where my, uh, so I, I'll come back to that moment in time because it's part of my journey of what I do now. Uh, but I've spent the last five, six years as a consultant um, helping launch uh, businesses um, like the Pangea Alliance, where I was working with The Guardian, Reuters, CNN, FT to bring their data and media offering together. Um, and that led me to latterly work for uh, Warner group and I ran a global ad division there called T1. So that's kind of my, not very short, sorry, <laughs> explanation all of all the places that I've been 
uh, and what I've done. But I, I think what's important, because it'll lead on to what I do now, is that I was very fortunate. All of those roles were predominantly startup. Even when I worked for CNN and The Guardian, there were for they were for startup divisions within those large, larger organizations. So that kind of 24-7, always on creating, how do we get scrappy? How do we make things work? with a small team, small set of resources has always kind of been my background. And the other important part of what led to me doing what I do now was the global nature of everything I did. So I spent more time on airplanes than I did on the ground between 2008 and 2012. I knew pilots, I would get greeted at the airport like I was long lost friends by the check-in crew. My sister traveled, used to travel with me and go, oh, my God, you literally know everyone in the airport. So that sounds really glamorous, but it's a big, a big part of my background and my story and, and who I thought I was for a big part of that time as well. Nice. Thank you. And <laughs> uh, a really interesting history. And now you're the co-founder and CEO of The Moment Company. Exactly. Yes. And it'd be great to know, A, what is The Moment Company and B, kind of how that came to be. Yeah. So uh, Moment Company, we are on a mission to help people reduce stress, anxiety and burnout in the workplace by sharing just simple, quick, effective ways that you can almost kind of circuit break yourself out of those stressful situations, stressful thoughts, and just create a little bit of space for yourself that you can kind of move forward with a bit more, a bit more clarity. And how I ended up in Moment Company is because I had myself experienced extreme stress, burnout, and anxiety because of everything that I've just <laughs> mentioned that I'd been doing for 20 years. So back in 2014, I basically suffered from extreme physical exhaustion, adrenal fatigue. Uh, I got every kind of immune system um, disorder within a six to eight month period. And I, I physically couldn't continue to have the level of lifestyle and pressure that I had put on myself as well as externally being exposed to. And I knew I just couldn't do it anymore. And so I started to become curious about what happened to me, uh, why, why those things had happened, but also what I could do to kind of make small changes in my outlook and my daily routine that could help prevent me getting back to that extreme again. And so that all started with being curious around um, meditation, around mindfulness, around simple things like gratitude, how being grateful for something and acknowledging that actually makes you feel better. It's that simple. You cannot feel gratitude at the same time that you, you feel angry and, and fearful. It's just not possible to hold those two emotions together. So I just started to get curious around all those things and found different techniques that I can talk to in more length um, that really worked for me. Um, and it was that shift over time that I felt and the benefits that I felt that then led me to meet the other two co-founders of Moment Company and realize that 
this is what I wanted to do and that my story was something that would resonate with a lot of other people and that through moments so really short periods of time really simple techniques that we could help other people make that shift as well so with us moments all starts with your breath so it's physically impossible to think your way out of stress but if you can make a physiological change in your body and to do that all you need to do is inhale and exhale <laughs> it just calms your nervous system down enough it stimulates your vagus nerve so that you can actually think more clearly and the way that we encourage people to do that is through a light lead guided breathing device that we call the moment pebble it's made of natural stone. It looks and feels like something you'd pick off the beach and keep with you as a happy memory to hold and feel good about those times you spent by the seaside. It's exactly the emotion that it's there to trigger, but it just helps guide you um, into that little bit of a window of calm. So that is, is uh, yeah, what, what we do at Moment Company and why I'm really passionate about helping people make that shift themselves because I've felt it both ends of the spectrum and that burnout phase of my life was not fun yeah I, was, uh, I guess firstly I have a moment pebble shout out to the moment pebble it's brilliant <laughs> it sits right next to my desk it, I look at it, it reminds me to try and take some time out my day to kind of get in control of my breathing um but I think your story will be you know maybe others listening will be going through something similar and maybe they you know, they don't have the benefit of hindsight. They can't see that, you know, obviously an extreme case where there's physical exhaustion. I mean, sort of, sort of looking back to 2014, did you, did you, did you see it coming? Like, I mean, it's easier to say on reflection, but like, do were there things you felt like you could have done prior to that to, like, I guess, to prevent that from happening? Hindsight is a wonderful thing. Um, <laughs> at the time, it felt like the rug had been pulled from under me. But when I look back, there were so many warning signs. And, <laughs> and you almost, you know, you almost look back and say, oh, if, if only I just made this small change. And and I've been thinking about this and, 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 you know, our conversation today and, and I've got some really kind of quite a few examples that at the time you think, well, that, that's not really significant, but actually when you look back on it, you realize, you realize it is. And I was looking into it. The, the tech industry has the highest um, reported levels of burnout in employees and the ad and marketing industry second, right? So I'm not coming from a place of like, hey, you know, I, I felt a little bit stressed one day. No, this is a industry-wide, culturally impactful way that we choose to, to operate. Um, and I'd love to explore, if anybody wants to have a chat about what we think is the reasons behind this, I can make my summations based on my experience. But it's the truth. And within all of that, women are more likely to be burnt out within those industries as well. So when I look back on some of the things that I could have done and only speak from my experience and how they added up over time, I didn't feel I had a voice to speak up and say no. 
when things felt like they were getting too much. Um, I think we know in our industry, there isn't really space for saying no or saying, I don't really want to do that. I don't agree with it because you're replaceable. They'll just find somebody else that will say yes. And that's on so many different levels from disagreeing with the strategy. I mean, I work for startups all the time and I would I would be like, hey, let's go down road B. And they go, thanks, Fee, for all the work you've done in the last six months. We're going to go around, we're going to go around C. And I'd go, okay, great. Don't agree with it, but I just have to go with it. And then six months later, hey, Fee, you know that road B thing that you were chatting about? Can we just go back to that? And it was so frustrating. And I used to look back now and I, and I lived with an energy of frustration and anger around that because I didn't feel I had a voice and I and I hate to say it Wayne but in a male-dominated boardroom I was often made to feel like the note taker and didn't feel like I had the ability to speak up and that created this underlying fear in me which is the emotion that's most closely connected to stress depression and burnout those lower level kind of energy um spaces and then and then you know not being able to say no so I would just move all over the world <laughs> pack up my bag like the littlest hobo every two years and don't get me wrong I met some amazing people doing it but it takes its toll on you and that constantly kind of having to create your life again was extremely stressful um the 24 7 nature of what we do you know and I remember there was a time I was actually working on a Ready for Hillary campaign back in 2012. So maybe it was saving lives, but um, I was absolutely crucified for not picking up my phone at four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon because I happened to be in the cinema. And it was like literally the world had caved in and it was just, it felt like my life, my time wasn't my own. And again, I just kind of shut up and got on with it. It was part of part of the culture and then the other thing that's a big part of our culture that I wasn't very good at saying no at was the the booze and the party side of things of <laughs> being in the ad industry so I'm now three years sober I had to step off that that wagon it's that and meditation are probably the two things that have changed my life the most um I just couldn't do it anymore but you know I, I remember being in a situation where a young team member had just joined us and he took me aside and was horrified saying, am I supposed to do everything that everybody else is doing? Because he saw things going on and I had to take him aside and say, oh my gosh, no, this isn't what's expected of you to be part of this business. You can choose your own path. Um, but that pressure to work hard and play hard was a huge, huge part of burnout, stress, not being yourself, not doing the things you want to do and just taking proper rest as well. And so they're the kind of biggest lessons that I think I learned along the way. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, a lot of that I was nodding along with and I totally recognize some of those stories. And I think they're one of the challenging and slightly sad things is it's not exclusive to just like one part of the industry. It's yeah. across the entirety of advertising, whether you're in creative or at a brand or a media agency or a startup, a big company, the expectation is so high. And as you say, it's 24 seven in nature. It is quite high paced. You're going back and forth between meetings. 
and you're expected to go to dinners and drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with that, there's, you know, you meet lots of amazing people, but it really does take its toll. And like for me personally, I used to get to a holiday and it would take me like four or five days to even feel like, you know, inverted commas and how I normally would feel because it takes a while for the stress to sort of like fall off from my sleep to get into a good routine because, and then you go, go back and like on, that's why the Thursday you get like two days on the beach in Spain and you're back in the office on the Monday. And I just think that kind of that culture of like, get as far in as you can until the point of breakout, like burnout near enough and then go on holiday. It's like, that's not, very that it just isn't healthy and I think um as you say like rest is critical it's it it really is but but you just reminded me of another another story which I worked for it for a company I'm I'm trying very hard not to say any names but you just have to go to my LinkedIn page and you can probably work it out I might name and shame we'll see how we go (laughs) but I worked for a company where they rewarded you if you didn't take any holidays you got a bonus if you took no holidays. It's just mad, isn't it? That's one word for it, right? I mean, that is not good for anyone. And 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 the other, I, I also worked for another company that rewarded like the competitive lateness. Ah, aren't they doing a great job because they're here till 10 o'clock every night? I'm like, no, you need to understand why that person's there till 10 o'clock. Are, have you trained them right? Do they not know what they're doing? Have they got trouble at home? Do they have a home to go to? Like, there is no reason why someone should be working till 10 o'clock at night. We haven't supported them right as leaders if that is the culture that we think is okay. Because as you mentioned, like we've got the creative side of the industry and I actually noticed burnout more. Well, actually it's it's not a competition. There was a lot of burnout in creative agency and you're thinking, where's the fresh ideas coming from? Where's that brain space that clarity when when you're under so much pressure and you're sleep deprived Uh, I've worked with people that are so severely vitamin d deficient because they'd never go out during daylight hours that it became a health problem and you just think that's that's not positive environment to create good work that's not how things will grow for you and that is not a culture that I I, I wanted to be part of anymore, but can you imagine being rewarded for taking no holidays? I mean, it's, I, it's, I can't even get my head around that. I know um, some agencies in my time used to do something similar um, and used to reward it. And it's, I mean, you know, it, it just created a culture of people staying late for the sake of it. And, um, uh, and it also, also it's like absenteeism. You then have people like taking sick days even when they're not sick days because they don't want to take a holiday to spend time with their family. And I used to say, look, I know you just want to go to your kids, like play. It's cool. Just tell me, I don't want you to take this holiday. I want you to go enjoy that time. But when you have a culture that's slightly fearful around taking time for yourself, then the net result of that is absenteeism. It's staff churn, it's illness, it's more money spent Mm. on, kind of you know medical bills and all those kind of things particularly in the US and and that isn't good for for anyone the individual or the company um but I I, you know how do you break that (laughs) well that was that was literally my next question like how whose responsibility is it because as the employee there are things you can do you can you know throughout your day um techniques you know rest diet all, all the good things 
But if you're if the culture of the company and at the top is not really recognizing the need to support the employee, then you end up in a difficult position. So, like, you know, I guess it's is it top down or or do you think it's a different way that you ensure that this is kind of really catered for in advertising? I mean, it's like I guess it's like any any of those difficult questions in society is it you know is it the grassroots campaigning that makes a difference or is it the top down top down mandate i mean my experience where culture has been dictated from the top it rarely works it doesn't feel genuine um it, it needs to be collaborative it you need to take on board the viewpoint of everyone across the business spectrum. Um, again, not name, naming names, but those listening in might know. Uh, I worked for a company that's um, motto was more fun, less fear. Why was there any fear in the workplace? What level of fear do you think is okay? And what that immediately created was an environment of fear. <laughs> mm. So thinking, getting, you know, getting companies to think about the language that they use, it sounds so simple, but it's so impactful. Like language, I'm, I'm one of the best bits of advice I ever got from a CEO I worked for was he he challenged me because I like to write long emails. He challenged me to not use the word but in emails and to replace it with the word and, and it just completely changed the way that I framed some challenges. So just simple tricks like that within culture, you know, if it's an HR team or whoever, cultural team sitting down and thinking about the language that they use, you know, some of those softer skills, the um, more emotive kind of things, it doesn't always have to be about killing it, crushing it, smashing it. What is success? And success can be some of the softer um, elements of how you want people to feel when they walk into your organization. Um, and less fearful for me doesn't feel like a good place <laughs> to mm. walk into. But when we're working in an ad industry, we're clever with words. We know how to create emotion. It's part of what we do. It needs to then relate to how we treat each other in the workplace. Um, so I think we, to, your, to answer your question, my opinion, love to know yours, <laughs> is that we all have a responsibility on how we show up. It's standing up and calling things out that don't feel right. But it's also coming with some ideas and solutions about how it could be different. And now in particular, because of everything we've been through the last 18 months, I feel like there's a real chance to do that. Companies are like, you know what, guys, maybe we do need to change. What do we do? And that's certainly the feedback I'm getting when I talk about moments and the way they can help in the workplace and help people with stress and anxiety. It's just simple little things. You don't have to flip the boat up and turn it over and start again. Like, what are the small incremental steps that we can make to create a healthier, happier? I know it's, some people go, oh, don't say happier, but why not? I want a happy place to work. I want people to be happy. Good things come from positivity, you know? So just that kind of subtle flip in that behavior. But because of COVID, I do think that now is the time for us to start having those open conversations. So yeah. what do you reckon? Well, I, I down, bottom up, across. <laughs> I, I think it has to. I agree with you. It has to be from everybody. Like, for example, you know, now that I'm in mid thirties, approaching early forties. Oh, lucky I, you! <laughs> I, <laughs> I sort of think about well, how I was a grad and how I approached it. 
it's entirely different. So I can't think about how I bring, you know, junior people into the business in the same way that I used to do it because the world's moved on. Opinions have changed. You know, the way that the way the workplace works is different. But the only way I can really understand that is by talking to people and, and other companies and other leaders and trying to get as much perspective as I can on. So what is the best way to support people who I don't really know what they're going through? I don't have as much empathy as I would um, previously. Um, and I think that's how I tried. You know, it, we're a small business, so it's a, it's a little bit easier to get that feedback because um, you see it in basically every Zoom call. <laughs> but um, that's how I try to think about it. And I think when I talk to others, it's similar. I don't think you can go with top down because it can't be one person or a handful of people on the rest of the team it has to be collaborative and I think the employee now has more I like to think more say in that than they ever have and that should be they should feel empowered to contribute to it and um, I definitely want to pick up on the the change in the past 18 months because I was going to ask you like say pre-pandemic you know there's a lot people are traveling all around the world on flights collecting their air miles it was like a badge of God, I was obsessed <laughs> it, was a, it was a badge of honor yeah on Facebook LinkedIn mm-hmm. or whatever it was mm-hmm. and uh, I think you know those people probably look back and go not the great greatest way to live and lost time and etc cetera, etc cetera. um so I think that's one thing that will change quite dramatically you know once the world opens up even more than it is what other things do you think are changing in the kind of workplace and how people work outside of you know travel well I think kind of overlapping slightly with 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 the last um point as well is that obviously the way that we work has changed because you know we're a lot of people are working from home and that works for some people and it doesn't obviously you know some people don't have the benefit of a spare room and office so you know 100 foot garden whatever it is that some people you know that are higher up have that don't appreciate that grads coming in they they, that's where they make their social connections it's so important that workplace feels like somewhere that they can also kind of find a bit of their identity they find their tribe as they're moving from you know their mid-20s into 30s and there's a lot of formative conversations and relationships are formed at that time and so we have to be mindful that 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 is not the case so how do we you know, so that that's a big part of not just how we work, but how we're culturally shifting as well. And a big thing that we talk about um, is, is around connection and disconnection. And people think that having a phone and technology means that we're more connected than ever. I'd argue that we're actually really disconnected because we've lost the art of being present. We've lost the art of how to engage with each other and how just to put our phones down for two seconds and have a conversation and not be distracted by something else. And so I think finding how technology fits into this new space is really important, but that we don't become so dependent on it that we lose the human touch as well. And in the ad industry, that that I feel is really, really important as well. And there's some great platforms out there. There's some great, great technologies. It's just understanding how we use it best and not, I say, not become reliant um, on it. I think that that's that's an important thing to acknowledge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's such a, a personal thing right now because some people are starting to go back into the office before we spoke, we, um, before we recorded, we spoke about an event that was in person yesterday with a lot of people there. And I think um, everyone is very individual in how they're approaching it. Some may feel very excited and can't wait. 
others may be a bit more anxious, um, some a bit in between. Um, and then also, I think we're recording this in November. We're now coming into silly season and advertising. Mm-hmm. And depending on what happens with you know the governments around the world, that might mean there's more, you know, people going to like you know, breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Um, like I remember in my earlier days at Agency Side, I did five breakfasts, five lunch, five dinners in a week. Oh, and I, I got to the <laughs> got to the weekend and I was I was meant to go out and see some friends who I'd barely see. And I was just a broken person. Mm-hmm. I was like, wasn't really present with them, wanted to get home early. And I sort of justified, you know, in my head, I was justifying it as, well, I had fun all week and um, got to make some new connections and contributes to work. But the reality was I was just really uh, just functioning, just trying to get through. And Broken was the perfect word that the, you use there. I, I think a lot of people relate to that. And I, I'm laughing. I, I don't know why. Yeah, but I, I, but I think now we're coming into that period. It, you know, what sort of things can people who are listening to this know it's approaching, particularly after the past 18 months, people will probably get quite excited to see people they haven't seen in ages. How do you sort how do you think people can sort of deal with some of that, you know, practically as it goes through December? Yeah. And I, I, I know that that silly season really well, you know, I remember being in the back of a cab sobbing because I had to have another Michelin star dinner. How ridiculous does that sound? <laughs> I just couldn't handle any more rich food. And and everyone you meet thinks it's the first time you've been out that week. When, as you say, it's like you're 12th and you're like, oh, I just want to go home and like have a cup of tea and lie on the sofa. Um, <laughs> again, it sounds like a massive first world problem, but it, it mentally and physically takes its toll. I know that I experienced it. So you know, what, what are the simple things that you can do? Um, and these are, I, I would say there's, everyone has a different experience of burnout. Everyone has a different experience of what being fit and healthy feels like for them. And, you know, my thing before I learned all the techniques I've got now was I used to go to the gym all the time, which is great. But sometimes that's putting your body under stress and different ways um so just just learning kind of what works for you at the time is the most important thing but as we say at moments it all just starts with taking some breaths um we we breathe twenty three thousand times a day but most of those are absolutely subconsciously but it is a proven scientific fact that by taking deep inhales and exhales through your belly which we can do right now if you want give everybody a little Let's do it. Let's breathing do it exercise work. it physiologically as i said before stimulates your vagus nerve calms your heart rate and and you know physically makes that change and that shift in your body and you might not feel immediately zen but if you do that over time the cumulative impact will have made a change in your mind and body and your response to different situations it just does it's a proven fact so um I'll, I'll i'll do five rounds of what we call cardiac coherent breathing and it's the technique that's embedded in our pebble it, it guides you through this this technique so yeah let's give it a go and then anyone can join in and see Perfect. if it works for them so um I like to just kind of place my hands on my stomach because what you want to do is make sure that when you breathe in, your belly goes out 
And as you exhale, it drops back down again. Sounds obvious, but actually a lot of us do what we call paradoxical breathing, which is the opposite way around. And it actually creates more stress than calm. So in is belly out, out is belly in. <laughs> Does that make sense? That makes sense. <laughs> okay. So uh, hand on tummy. <laughs> and then I, I breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth, but you can mix it up. It depends on what's comfortable for you, right? And the most important thing is you're comfortable. So let's breathe in for two, three, four, five, belly out, and then out, two, three, four, five, in, two, three, push your belly out, five, and then breathe out, two, three, let your belly drop. Try dropping your shoulders. <laughs> in two, three, four, five, and out, two, three, four, five. One last time, breathe in, two, three, four, five, and this time as you exhale for five, just sigh it all out, <sighs> whatever noise you want to make, as it drops down, let your shoulders drop, if you've got your eyes closed, you can just kind of flutter them open a little bit. But that's all you need to do just to create a little window or space of calm for yourself. It's so simple. Is so it 30, simple. 30 seconds, 45 seconds every day? And, and I would, I guess the, if you can do that so proactively, so it's not always in reaction to something that's happened during the day. If you start your day, do it throughout it can help you deal with you know all the all the things that th are thrown your way during the day yeah and I mean I, I can share with you I've, I've, I've got quite a few sort of daily daily routines because for some people they're like yeah breathing in breathing out I've got that down so some of the other really impactful things that I do and I talked about gratitude and how important that is every night before I go to bed I write I am grateful for and I just write in a book everything that I've done that day, but I frame it from a place of gratitude. And this comes from when I was looking after my terminally ill dad last year. And it was really shitty some days looking after him. And regardless of what time I got to bed every night, I wrote down, I am grateful for, and it would be another day with dad. He made me smile. He was being silly. The nurses that came in so that, when I went to sleep, everything that had happened that day felt positive. Um, and it also means when I look back on that time, I've reframed that whole really challenging period, but from a place of total gratitude and, and appreciation for the time that we had. And it made such a huge difference to how I coped with that really challenging situation. So I've kept that going and I do that every single night still. Um, I get up in the morning and there's a Mel Robbins technique that she recommends where you high five your mirror because the sensation of high fiving, if you think about it, you give someone a high five, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to say, yeah, well done. You did this. It was great. I think you're awesome. You just have to high five and you've had an exchange that 
is a positive one and you go yeah something good's happened don't really know what <laughs> like high five everybody so if you give yourself a high five in the morning it sends the same endorphins as crazy as it sounds so I do that every morning um I, I do 20 minutes of transcendental meditation every day as well without fail don't get out of bed until I've done that um and then you know simple things like taking a walk particularly this time of year, getting some daylight is super important, but so is darkness. It helps us with our sleep and it helps us with our circadian rhythms. Um, taking some uh, sleep meditation at nighttime is a great um, tip as well. Uh, looking up. So looking up triggers your frontal um, lobe. It um, reduces stress but it also um, helps with creativity. So there's an old therapist trick where you count chimneys when you walk because it encourages you to take in your surroundings, be more aware of what's going on and also not looking down at your phone. Because if you think when you look down, your face naturally kind of pulls down, you're, you know, you're in a little bit of a frown, whereas if you look up, it naturally creates a smile which again sends a signal to your brain that everything's okay and it in increases endorphins, smiling, listening to music, have a dance, have a move, like all of these things are just really simple things that will improve, improve your mood. Um, and then when it comes to that party time, I know I'm going to be biased on this one because I say I've been on a journey and I'm two and a half to three years sober with the support. I have to save a really amazing industry group called Spill. Um, which Julia Smith um, has, has been a big part of um, and it's very supportive and we all help the sober curious through to the, you know, addict kind of level. Um, there's a place for everybody just to understand how to manage some of that peer pressure, how to manage your relationship with alcohol. How does it make you feel? If it doesn't make you feel good, maybe don't do it as much. And I didn't set off to become sober. I just was curious about how better I would feel if I didn't drink. And it turns out the answer was much better. So I just don't do it anymore. Um, so there is support out there for people that feel challenged in that area. Um, and, and yeah, there's just, there'll be different ways that resonate for people. Some people it's a run. If you like running, it's brilliant meditative mindfulness technique and you're and you know what you're breathing in and out in that regulated way that helps with your physiological makeup as well so yeah, and that, yeah that, there's that, just some tips <laughs> no they're amazing and I think on like um on my journey particularly like the start of lockdown where I had to come back from the US I came back to my family home I was stuck indoors I learned that just trying different things you will find something which resonates and maybe it's not the first thing and like I was Googling some, some tips and everyone's like, oh, the one thing you need to do. And I was mm. doing it. It wasn't working. It's not the point. Exactly. As you say, all the tips you outlined, I'm sure many will land for some people, some not, but I think definitely particularly coming into this time of you know, back into reality almost and back seeing people and potentially going out a bit more in the evenings. Um, just trying not to lose the tips that you might've built up in the past you know, however long and trying new things to stay on top of it. It's exactly what you said. It's an appreciation of what makes you happy, right? I know it's, it might sound a bit to some people, oh, happy, clappy, woo-woo, but that's where it starts. If you aren't confident enough to say, 
And again, it comes to boundaries, you know, my regret not being able to say, no, I don't want to do that. It doesn't make me feel good. I wish I'd had the power to do that earlier because what I've realized is that is the one power that I do have. The one control I have in every situation is how I respond to it. Nobody can make that decision for me. Nobody can force you into anything. The ultimate control that you have is your ability to respond in every situation how you want to and so learning that was probably one of the most powerful things that I've ever I've ever done and I'm not perfect at it sometimes I'm like ah got that wrong but I know now when I've got it wrong because I can really feel it and I go okay I just don't want to do that thing again or similarly yay that was awesome I'm going to do more of that and appreciate it more and so yeah knowing that you have the power in this you're not powerless it's hugely important and my other bit of advice to your point around curiosity um, is that I devour podcasts. That's one thing that lockdown is me. Too. Me too. So what's some of your favourites? I'll share some of mine. Uh, off Menu, uh, Run Pod, the uh, Robert Frank and Nathan podcast is amazing. Um, there's the Video Week and Ad Exchange and Exchange World podcast. I, I, I've got so many that I just, when I go for a walk or a run, I just, just listen to so many I think I find it's an amazing way just to set my mind away from whatever I've been doing prior or have planned ahead and just in trying to enjoy whilst being outside so good love it but for me I love high performance podcast oh, with amazing, Comfrey. Yeah. love it um his last two was James McAvoy and um Alistair Campbell brilliant uh I love Fern Cotton happy place yeah, that's great that's cool uh I'm a big F1 fan so beyond the grid I, I listen to um as well and then I I love things like you know desert island discs I listen every week because there's something nice and gentle it doesn't always have to be about succeeding oh next thing as I said like it's kind of nice listening to someone's life story and some music in between desert yeah. island discs it's awesome um but yeah I would say like beyond the grid high performance and happy place are like my weekly my weekly lessons. I uh, love Joe Dispenza as well, a little bit of Tim Ferriss and um, Ariana Huffington. She did a great one um, with uh, Mark Benioff, who's a brilliant example of how you culturally, and Ariana, they're perfect examples of guys, uh, of people at that CEO level who experienced burnout that then changed the course of their lives because mm. they experienced it to make sure that their organizations leave space for people's well-being and that's become a big part of their mission and Salesforce you know they've, they've got the rooms that are all about mindfulness and um so yeah I find a lot of inspiration through listening to people like that on on podcasts and it's what I love to do is like listen to the same person but from a different podcast perspective and it's quite interesting sometimes how um the different angles can bring out different ideas from them as well so yeah, yeah you need to send me a list of yours I'll I will do. Listen. I will do. Obviously not as good as this one. This is like the top podcast. The ad pod. I mean, it can't, I go, mean... Better, it can't go better than this. <laughs> um, I think that's it. Thank you so much, Fiona, for coming on. It's been amazing to hear your story. Also the tips. I, As I say, I'm a big fan of the moment, Pebble. I also enjoy your videos on LinkedIn, which show it actually really helps when I'm on LinkedIn to break up my day. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I really just started doing it. those five with, for a little bit of fun, but maybe I should do. Maybe I should They're do great. more. They're great. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks very much, Wayne. Cheers. Well, 
that was amazing. I felt so privileged to be able to ask those questions and for Fiona to give such an honest account of her experiences and show her amazing thoughts and opinions on the topic. Uh, Fiona works for momentcompany.co and it's an incredible business and one you should definitely check out and definitely buy the pebble. I, I use it and it's amazing. I guess finally, you know, mental health is something we should all talk about, whether you're going through positive experiences with your mental health or negative. But one thing is for sure, and specifically in advertising, advertising is important. Economically, it funds a lot of stuff, but it definitely isn't worth sacrificing your mental health for. So please keep that in mind as you go into silly season. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you again soon. <laughs>